Well, hey everybody, welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 72, Revisiting Change. Have I missed doing the intro the last few episodes? Do you do you recall? I was going to ask if you've ever used or if you've ever said a more intentional human being. That you, seems new, but like maybe that? I'm just blanking. Is it good? Yeah. Is it, does it good. suck? I feel like that's all of your work. So no, I yeah. don't think it sucks. I think it's good. Yeah. We're intentionally doing a podcast on change. So why are we talking about this? Well, I thought we already talked about it. About the change? Yeah, about change. I thought it was episode number 33. We have, yes. So we have talked about change. And I think right now we're going through some pretty huge changes. We're going to be moving in four weeks yeah. to a totally new city Yeah. because I got a job. So hey. I'm also going to be starting a new job. Wow. So yeah. this is, well, let's uh, let's talk about the other changes before we talk about the job because it's a quite exciting uh, conclusion to the saga of your economics job market experience, if we can call it that. I guess it, is, it has been a saga, hasn't it? Feels like it's been forever. But yeah, there are a lot of things happening. I mean, you also just turned in a big book project. Yep. So that's a huge change too. Mm-hmm. There, You've got a very different day-to-day life right now mm-hmm. than you did for the last few months where you were editing and writing. Just got back from a retreat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of changes. We might be selling our house. Oh yeah, that too. We're probably selling our house, which wasn't something we were expecting to do. We were we're gonna... moving in a little bit. Yeah. Just hunted for apartments. Yep. You're starting a job. Starting a job. What in our life will be the same? Each other. I guess so. That'll be it. And That'll our, be our it. loved ones. Yep. Just like a whole day and just everything shifting all around us. Yep. So I thought this was a good time to revisit <laughs> the idea of change. For selfish reasons. Yeah, entirely yeah. selfish. But I also think it's something that people are constantly doing, right? Like change is the yeah. only constant in life. So And and we're also finding during this time, and you know, it's it's a busy time, it's a stressful time, but that there are some strategies that work a bit better than others for managing just uh, when everything's in flux. And we, we even dug a bit into the research as well, but building upon what we were chatting about in episode number 33. Uh, so if your situation is changing as well as ours is, uh, we're sure these strategies will help. You know, in, in episode number 33, as I recall, uh, we talked about expectations, right? Yeah, that was a really big focus of what we talked about last time and and really first identifying things that are changing and, mm-hmm. and thinking about how you're relating to it. So noticing when things are changing is a big part of this step, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it could be very subtle like health changes that maybe you aren't like consciously tracking. And so we talked a lot about noticing these kinds of changes in your life and how you can bring more awareness to that. And then the other thing to bring more awareness to that we, we talked a lot about in episode 33 is really how your expectation, expectations mm. are moderating the way you relate to the changes or stress e- in your life. Expect changes. Expect, oh, no, no. Oh, that's like one of those corny, <laughs> uh, you know, motivational. Like guesstimate? Yeah. No, guesstimate's pretty good. I will die on this hill. I hate the term guesstimate. What about what do you think of problatunity? Oh, no, that's are you cringing inside? Yeah, not even inside, externally cringing. What about congratulations? Well done. 
I mean, that's a euism. Nobody else in the world says congratulations. I'm a fan of congratulations. And by God, if there's one mission of this podcast, it is to make congratulations a thing. I'm so, I'm very happy for you to have this goal. Well, the world is changing and you're going to have to start saying it. But yeah, we we talked a lot about expectations and how they, they basically ruin a lot of the things that we experience they don't maybe not necessarily ruin because i mean they can make things better right if your Mm. expectations are set realistically or maybe a little too low and then you your what changes surpasses your expectations then you might be pleasantly surprised but if you have these entirely unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. that can completely ruin your experience of something another kind of like related idea to this is the idea of catastrophizing right Mm. if you are totally worked up in your in your mind about these your these really wildly un, unlikely and very negative expectations or these catastrophes that could be happening in your future you're going to be constantly stressed i mean i'm a i am a catastrophizer so i can personally say this is a not a happy way to approach things so if you're catastrophizing your expectations are setting you up to be overly stressed it's it's interesting speaking of the the research behind change and how we relate to it. There's kind of a learning loop in our mind where we're constantly comparing what happens around us to what we expected would happen. And this relates to to dopamine even, the the neurochemical that is correlated with the anticipation of pleasure. It's what motivates us to act in ways that we think will be pleasurable to us. And when an event unfolds in a way that exceeds our expectations, our mind rewards us with a hit of dopamine uh, to reinforce that learning loop uh, because we should have expected more. But what this does is often we need to calibrate the other direction. And so when something doesn't quite live up to our expectations, we experience a lack of that pleasure. And we experience kind of that absence of uh, drive to to make something a bit better in our lives. And so this learning loop, you know, it's embedded within our mind. And this is what causes us to often overinflate our expectations, especially if things have gone well for us in the past. But this is important to keep in mind, you know, by deliberately calibrating, we don't need to talk about expectations more because we covered it enough in episode number 33. But there is this fundamental uh, neurological science behind expectation and how our mind responds to it. And so when somebody says that the key to happiness is low expectations, there there is a lot of truth to that because if you're able to deliberately and strategically often uh, calibrate your expectations downward, not only will you be disappointed a whole lot less, but you'll find the world a bit more dopaminergic. It'll be more motivating. It'll be uh, more conducive to happiness. And so it's interesting the ways we can structure our thought patterns to live a little underneath uh, what reality can deliver to us. Okay. Two questions. Yeah. One, what does dopaminergic mean? Oh, of or related to dopamine. So what is what is dopamine? <laughs> What's that? For, what is dopamine for the people who haven't yeah. just read your latest book? <laughs> well, that isn't out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so dopamine is a is a poorly understood neurochemical, the neurotransmitter that transmits information within our brain, and we we commonly think of it as a reward chemical. But when you look at the research surrounding dopamine, we, we don't need to get off on, on, on too much of a tangent here, but it's mostly just interesting. Um, 
And the book is in draft and there, there still is a bit more research to do. So do keep that in mind. But the research shows around dopamine that the pleasurable things that we tend to don't necessarily release dopamine. Uh, it's the propellant Dopamine is the propellant that motivates us to, to behave in certain ways. And so when you get a notification that somebody liked a picture on your Instagram or followed you, uh, your mind rewards you with a hit of dopamine because you experienced that novel stimulus. Uh, it's not quite pleasure yet, but dopamine motivates you to act in a way that you think will be pleasurable. Cool. I hope that answers so, it. Yeah, Without oh, getting totally too much answers my in question. the weeds. So all that, I think, bringing us back to what we were talking about, those are yeah. these ideas of expectations. And the only reason I asked is because every time people use these neurotransmitters in books, I'm like, yeah. I don't remember what that is. So I'm sure there are other people out there who think the same way. And and by the way, they're so complex, they can't really be reduced down to one little job that something does. It's not as though serotonin or, or dopamine is the chemical of pleasure, it's, first of all, the uh, it, it helps us think. It helps us think logically. It's involved in pretty much every process uh, that we do. But anyway, Very uh, cool. that's way beside, that's like so far beside the point We're that no it's in another, <laughs> or it's in another point entirely. Yeah. It's no longer a ta- tangent. Yeah. It, what, what's, yeah. What? No, never mind. So, all that to say, <laughs> let's bring it back to expectations. Yes. So this idea of expectations, and this is actually something we were just, I just read about, I Finally finished Oliver Berkman's book. He was oh, on the podcast a few weeks ago. Friend of the show. Yeah. And in that book, he does talk about how managing your expectations is a really good way to to, to manage how you relate to the, mm-hmm. the stress in your daily life. And so, and, and again, we're not trying to encourage people to have low expectations, but managing your expectations is is a good way of, of monitoring or moderating how you re- relate to change and maybe, stress. Maybe strategically low expectations. Yeah, Exactly. But another really interesting idea that came out of that book was adopting a curious attitude. Mm. And so when it comes to stress or change, your mindset or the way that you're relating to it is a really important part of that. So we're going to talk about this idea of like coping mechanisms and coping flexibility. But one of the oh. important things here is is understanding how your what your mindset is towards change or towards stress. Yeah. And adopting a very curious attitude is a way of relating to stress in a more positive way or a more constructive way. And stress is just an or change is just an example of a major life stressor, right? Whether it's a positive change or a, a negative change, uh, it's going to cause stress in your life, right? I mean, moving and mm-hmm. getting married are very positive things that you usually see on those lists of most disruptive life events. Yeah, and they're those are positive things, but they're very disruptive. Yeah, and so uh, understanding your attitude to change and to stress is a really important way of coping with it. It's interesting, you know, when things change. How what 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 proportion of the time do you think they change for the worse versus the better? Because I think by default, we see change as a negative thing only because it disrupts the natural state of our lives. But if you look at the events that we experience as a whole, in general, and obviously every single one of our lives is different, uh, but on average, uh, psychologists have measured that we experience three positive things for every one negative thing that we experience. So three to one is kind of the default ratio that we have to work with. This is why the entire field of positive psychology exists. Do you think that change would have a similar ratio? 
Oh, interesting. I have no idea. Um, like the number, I mean, I feel like that would be kind of similar. Like yeah. change is just something that happens to you, right? It's so, an event that's different from expectation. Exactly. But I think that actually kind of relates this idea that it's something that happens to you. One of the things that mm-hmm. can be part of your mindset to change is focusing on what you can control, right? If if you are experiencing some kind of life change, making sure that you're focusing on the things that are within your control can make you feel more empowered to be able to respond to those changes. And also changing what you try to control. You know, one one of the great ideas from, speaking of Oliver Berkman, friend of the pot, we should have him back on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another idea from his book that I love, kind of of the one that sticks with me above any others, uh, is that we shouldn't hoard our time, uh, especially, you know, as our lives become more complex, we have families, there's this change all around us, we, we kind of selfishly hoard our time and try to control every minute and every moment of our day when really giving up control uh, allows us to become a bit happier. You know, think of when you're camping, for an example, and there's not really a structure to your day. Maybe you hike into the site, but then after that point, you know, if some people want to start a bonfire, you go do the bonfire. If other people want to take a little nap or relax, you kind of go with the flow uh, of the events. And I, I think there can be a similar uh, casual uh, cavalierness to to the way that we approach our daily lives. Maybe we want to have some control. You know, there's definitely benefits to managing our time as well as our attention. But hoarding our time, that, that's a tendency that, uh, you know, personally, I'm, I've been working on since reading that book. It's something that I still have a lot of progress to make with, but I love that idea that when you give up a little bit of control over your time, your expectations go down a little bit because you're not trying to eke out more productivity in every moment of the day, and maybe change becomes a bit easier. Yeah, it's just a more intentional way of approaching your time without overly structuring things. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of alluded to a whole bunch of these different coping strategies that we've We've talked about, and the reason we're doing that is because what's really coming out of all this this like psychological research is that there's a big link between kind of the flexibility or the variety of coping mechanisms that people use and how well you adjust to to stressful life changes. Mm. So really, what this means is that using a variety of these kinds of coping mechanisms, um, which we'll go through a big list oh. of them, is is a really good way of letting you better deal with a changing environment, and so adopting a whole bunch of strategies and making your making it so that you allow yourself to be flexible in what kinds of strategies you're using to yeah. respond to change or stressful change um that will allow you to to better respond to your changing environment and we're all going to have change right change what? is the constant in life so what <laughs> shocker wow yeah so all that to say um if you are more intentional about using a more uh, diverse Set of coping strategies, you'll find that your ability to relate to and, and deal with stress is a lot more, it's a lot healthier. And yeah. we'll we'll link to a meta analysis that kind of oh. summarizes all, all of this really nicely. So we've talked about a few, yes. staying curious, noticing your expectations uh, after change happens, expecting change as the default, not hoarding our time. I'm curious, I, I know I saw you looking at the research before we started recording. Was there any, or were there any other suggestions that the research pointed to that could be helpful on top of the ones we chatted about? 
Yeah. So there are all of the usual ones, like making sure you get enough sleep, make sure that you exercise, oh, make sure eat, that you're meditating. Eat or, your vegetables kind of advice. Yeah, the eat your vegetables kind of advice. And I mean, I think these are also, even if you're not in the middle of going through a massive change, focusing on having good habits in these like eat your vegetable categories of, of ideas is a really good way of being able to be more resilient when big changes do happen. Like I know myself, I have a, a very solid sleep um, habit. I have really good exercise habits. I have really oh. good meditation habits. And this was so helpful in dealing with a very stressful four months of my life while I mm. was going through the econ job market. So all that to say, focusing on these like usual good wellness um, habits or behaviors is a useful way of dealing with stress kind of pre- preemptively. If you had to name one or two things that you did to develop this resilience, to to tolerate, uh, I guess, to develop a capacity for change. Are there a couple that you can pinpoint as being especially helpful? Oh, working out for sure. Is, yeah? is absolutely Running mm. is like my lifeline. So running is definitely up there and making sure I was all, not just running, but also doing like things like yoga and cross training to make sure I could keep running because that was my problem in, in first year when I was doing my like uh. comprehensive exams. All I did was run and then I was no longer able to run. Interesting. Yeah. And that's no surprise if, if a period of change kind of disrupts our uh, neurochemistry, at least if, if, if it differs from our expectations. Uh, working out, there's a wonderful book called Spark, I believe it's called, that talks about the neuroscience of exercise. And essentially, the one of the it, I'm I'm kind of summarizing this book that I read like 10 years ago. But from what I recall, the thesis of the book is that exercise rebalances all the different chemicals of your mind. Mm. And so if you're going through a a challenging mental time, uh, whatever that manifests as, uh, and that disrupts the natural balance of these neurotransmitters in your mind, which again are incredibly complex and difficult to distill down into one kind of descriptor, uh, exercise has this, this wonderful effect where it raises the, the levels of the chemicals that are low, and it lowers the levels of the chemicals that are high. And so if you're doing something for your mind, uh, especially during a disruptive time, exercise, you're, you're so right. Um, I, I wouldn't even call it a coping strategy because coping implies something so negative. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would imply just a, a managing, I don't know, what's a better word than coping? It's like a keystone habit. A keystone, yeah, just like a, yeah. a, a good nece- thing. A, ne- a, nece- a necessary, wonderful thing in your life. Just leave it at that. And NWT. Yeah. So okay. all of these kind of like usual wellness tips aside, things like lowering your expectations, as we mentioned, is really important. Also being mindful of things like catastrophizing. I think mm. we talked about that. Um, asking others for help and making sure that you are regularly connecting with your with the community around you. That's a really important thing. And it's, if, if that's not a habit for you, you might find that very difficult to do. I mean, I know this was actually something I really struggled with when I was... Um, going through the job market where I completely isolated myself from the people who were also going on the job market and going through the same thing as me. Episode number 65, leaning on others. Yes. We talk about that. Yeah. So I definitely asked for help from specific people, but I didn't Hello. lean on yeah, you, my supervisor, wonderful team of people around me, but I didn't really I am not focus your supervisor, on... no. by the way, oh, in case yeah. people <laughs> miss it. I am your husband. There was a comma in there that you couldn't see because that was audi- audible. S- damn silent Oxford commas. <laughs> anyway, yes, I did ask for help from like specific individuals who play a big, big role in my life. 
but I didn't necessarily Hi. reach out to the community that I have around me, like my my group of friends and all of the people in the PhD program with me. Mm-hmm. I really isolated myself from them and people that, or if you're part of a religious community too, that's another really good source of community for times of change. So there are lots of communities out yeah. there. And if you have them to rely on, acknowledge when you could be connecting with them on a more, on a more deep, a more deep, a deeper level. That's yeah. the word. More deeply level. <laughs> more deeply level. Yeah. Um, oh, the job market. Oh, yeah. We do, we tease, I'm, I'm realizing when you tease something, you have to actually deliver on the tease. And when I teased earlier that we would talk about how your job market process went, uh, we didn't deliver. And but, so now it's time to deliver. How... How did the job market go for you? You don't want to get to the end of this list, and then oh, we can okay, get to let's it? get to the end. Let's okay. leave it as the right. save. We'll All save right. it for the end, right. and then you'll have to stay to the end. Okay, <laughs> or just fast forward to yeah. the end. <laughs> so the other and the other ones are really more. I mean, there are lots and lots of coping strategies. Find the ones yeah. that work for you. Try a lot of them. Is the, yeah. is the big takeaway here? Um, but also, do try to not only distance yourself from from whatever stress or whatever change that is possible to whatever extent that is possible. It might not be possible for you to do that. Um, but also directly trying to change the source of stress. Mm. If that if that's an option for you, yeah. try to find a way to do that. Um, I mean, that, that sounds obvious, but like, don't just ex- accept what is happening to you without yeah. thinking about whether or not you can change the situation somehow. That is a wonderful one because it's, it's not something that people think about nearly enough. And this is a trap that I've fallen into myself as well, you know, experiencing a lot of stress in work. Uh, you know, uh, often I would never think about why I felt that stress in the first place. And of course, the mm-hmm. easiest way to become a bit less stressed out is to not experience the source of stress in the first place. And this is always possible. It's always possible to eliminate the a source of stress in your life. It's just a matter of whether the costs related to doing so are are worth stomaching. So, you know, if you, if you're having relationship challenges or so you can always become a monk or something you know it's just <laughs> there, there's, there's yeah. costs associated with that too it's just a matter of you know trying to you know examine the constraints that you face with your work for whatever context you're operating in and molding the situation where you have the leeway to do so uh, to be more conducive to experiencing a bit less stress it, it requires effort it requires planning it requires intentionality but it's always always worthwhile i've, I've found yeah and I, I mean a couple of specific examples i can give here so we're selling our we're probably selling probably. our house. Um, Maybe. We, we were just going to rent it out. That's why we were like, well, we, we didn't Man. know we would sell it. But now we're probably going to sell our house. But that's a very stressful process. And I, th- I find it very, very stressful because there's so many little things you need to think about. And this is something I have chosen to kind of distance myself from. We have a great realtor who's working on it. There aren't a, there aren't a lot of things I need to be attending to, even on a weekly basis right Yet. now, while Yet. we just wait for things to happen. So... This is something that in this current moment, I am actively distancing myself from. And there's nothing I can change. Like we're going to sell the house and that's- uh, Likely. We're also going to move to Ottawa and that's not a change that we can stress or we, or, sorry, a change that we can directly change. Like we can't affect that and we wouldn't want to because we're very no. excited about this move. Um, but that's an example of something you won't be able to necessarily change, but you can change how you relate to it. So you can think of it as a really positive thing where we're really excited about the city that we're going to live in and the neighborhood that we're going to live in and adopt this kind of curious mindset rather than just being overwhelmed by all the things we have to do. Love it. Yes. So what are you going to be doing? 
I got so it. you are you are finishing up uh, yes. your PhD. You are on the tail end of that. How does that feel? Pretty awesome. It's and, not done. I'll feel a lot better when it's written. It's almost done though. So yeah, yeah won't take too much longer. I, I can see working hard. And uh, <laughs> whenever I walk by and try to interrupt you when you have your noise canceling headphones on, like a like a good husband. Uh, but <laughs> so so to recap, at the end of an economics PhD, you do the economics job market, you do and a, it's a really intense process. Yeah, where you apply for literally hundreds of jobs. Yeah, um, sometimes many hundreds of jobs, depending yeah. on how wide your search is. How many did you apply for? At the end, I only applied to I think 180 something. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't apply only, to over oh, 200 because okay. uh, I wasn't looking in places like Europe, and we had a fairly constrained geographical preferences where we were not focusing on the whole world, which some people do. So all that to say, I applied to almost 200 jobs. Wow! And then, um, I, I anyway, it ended up going very well for me in the end. I had multiple offers, which was fantastic. And I took literally my dream job. Yes, The job that when I, when I saw the posting, I sent it to like everyone I knew and said, this is the job I want. I remember <laughs> when this job became available, uh, head of the World Bank. No, 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 no it's no, not no. head of the World no. Bank. Uh, I remember when it became available, you, you were giddy. And I've never seen you giddy over a job description. And I remember you saying that I could do such a good job of this and I want this job more than any other job, more than all the others put together. And sure enough. It's the job I got. So I'll be an assistant professor at Carleton University. Wow. In the School of Public Policy and Administration, which Te- is... A and, graduate and, school. Yeah, it's a graduate school. And it's a, it focuses on program and policy evaluation, which is like entirely what I do and what I love to do. And it'll just give me the opportunity to keep doing everything that I love in a city that I love with a faculty that is absolutely amazing. Yeah. And just beyond grateful. I've had a lot of people helping me along the way and I obviously couldn't have done it without them all. Like my supervisor, yeah. my committee, everybody has been fantastic. Like my whole faculty at Queens and you <laughs> has been awesome. So I've been very, very grateful and I've had an amazing team and now I'm very excited about the next steps. Wow. And we get to move back to the city that we've literally always wanted to live in. So yeah, I, I, every time I learn something more about this job, I just am so much more excited. So it's uh, all very good things. Yeah. Yeah, and it'll be great for the podcast to have a have a professor co-host slash wife, doctor, wife. <laughs> Knock on wood. I'm not a doctor yet. Yeah, but I guess so. Things are things are moving along. The, ca- the cachet of the podcast is gonna go uh way up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Listenership will double every episode. I don't know if that has that kind of effect. Most people will think that job's really boring, but I I'm crazy excited. I think so. it's kind of cool. I think so too. I mean, it's not head of the World Bank. Better. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. We're, we're super happy. It means a lot of change, but hopefully the change that you are experiencing these days is positive and constructive. If it's if it abides by that three to one ratio where three good things happen for every negative thing that happens, well, you're doing okay. You're doing average, in fact, but average is pretty good when there's a lot to be grateful for. There's there's a lot of you know threats in the world. There's a lot of things that that we we can be concerned about. But when we look at our own lives, when we look at our own situations, it's often uh, better than we would be led 
uh, to believe. And so hopefully you find yourself in such a similar situation. And if you're not, man, just expect a, a bit less of things around you. Get more dopamine out of the things that do change around you. But I uh, hope everything is well in your world. Try these things out. Notice how stressed you are. And how you're relating to your stress. How you're relating to your stress. Yep. Two very, very different things. And adopt a variety of coping mechanisms. Yeah. Try a lot of different things, and that variety will help you kind of adapt to changes in your environment. Nice buffet of things to choose from this episode. Woohoo! When you go up to the buffet, you don't take one of everything. You find the things that you want the most. Yeah. Yeah. Take a few of these things. They've worked for us, and they should work for you as well. So timeandattention.fm is the website for the podcast. As I mentioned in the last episode, it cost us like $100. <laughs> and I don't know why we paid that for You're a, so bitter about this website. That's just the cost of I don't, doing stuff online. I don't even know what the renewal cost will be. Ah, doesn't matter. We're, we're going to have to put ads on the podcast to, to pay for this domain name. Nah, we don't want ads. No, I don't want ads. Occasionally people reach out and they say, hey, do you, can we put an ad on the podcast? Not yet. Not Maybe yet. Maybe someday, but not at this time. Yeah. We're just having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully you had fun too. Uh, we'll see you in a, another couple of weeks for the next episode of Time and Attention. Dot FM. Bye.